Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I'm Renee and she is Tam. Hey, Renee. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing there, Miss Tam? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back in the city of Angels, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, however you want to say it. <laughs> I was in New York this weekend. Oh, wow. No, I was not in New Hampshire. I was in New York City. I went out to New York for the Formula E race. Oh, out there in the East Coast, huh? Yes, it was a first for me. My whole plan this weekend was actually to go to Toronto for IndyCar. No, I didn't have any plans on going to New Hampshire. Mm. And I got an opportunity to go to New York City Brooklyn, Red Hook, Brooklyn, to be exact, with Harmon Carden and BMW to check out the Formula E race. Harmon and BMW have a deal and they work with the Andretti team. So Andretti, Michael Andretti actually has a Formula E team. So that was wow. pretty neat. Yeah. I got a chance to like hang out with all these amazing people from Harmon. And be in the room and stand right next to Michael Andretti. I turned around and was like, oh, wait, that's Michael Andretti right behind me. <laughs> Had an awesome conversation with the drivers for that team. Mm -hmm. So shout out to uh, Felix. Well, his name was Antonio Felix de Casta. Um, and a few other people. So that was pretty cool. Oh, and I got a chance to meet Nikki Shields. If you guys do not know who Nikki Shields is, she is a correspondent for ESPN and CNN. She's a lady who actually covers a lot of motorsports. And I'd been following her on Instagram forever. Mm -hmm. Just so happened she ended up being there. And I had an amazing conversation with her. And I got an opportunity to take a few selfies with her. So that was pretty cool. But um, That's awesome. yeah, I actually posted a video on our Twitter account. So check that out. And I have a video from the hot lap that I did. The hot lap we did was in the BMW i8, which okay. is a fabulous car. Yeah, that, I, so, I've seen that, that car and, and I know what model that is. And that that, that is a nice looking ride. Yes, it is. So ultimately, <laughs> sum up my weekend. It was awesome. I had an awesome time hanging out with Harmon Carden. They showed me an excellent time. I am a fan and I guess a customer anyway, because I have Harmon speakers in my car. And yeah, I got a chance to experience sound because that's what it's all about. If you don't know, the Formula E cars don't make the traditional sound that most motor sports or motor cars make during races. Mm -hmm. That was pretty interesting. But nonetheless, Renee, really quickly, how was your weekend? My weekend was fantastic. Considering yours is just, uh, I mean, because it sounds like you did a lot of networking. And I think that that's awesome that you got to also meet a lot of good people like that. But I think my weekend is no different than any other weekend that I have, Tam. I went to go see Cascade, which is an EDM DJ out in Long Beach. It was on the beach. 
It was fantastic. It's the first time I've ever gone to a rave like that out on the beach. I literally sand the music, the stage. It was just awesome. And then um, I don't know, you know, I thought I was going to be really exhausted, which I kind of was after that because Cascade played like a three hour set, which is like crazy. Or He's literally playing for three hours. And I know some people, he's just pushing buttons for three hours. But let me tell you something, that's, it takes a lot out of you as an EDM DJs. And then that same night, we ended up in downtown LA at a, at a club uh, uh, called Exchange. And um, we went to go see another EDM DJ that same night, uh, which was Dioro. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just fantastic. And uh, Sunday, the next day, I ended up going to uh, Dodger Stadium and I watched a old classic kind of concert, and it was three bands. It was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Journey was next, and then they closed it out with Fleetwood Mac. I mean, you want to talk about genre from genre to, you know, one end to the spectrum to the other. That was my weekend, and I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's nice hanging out with youngsters because I have a young soul, but it was also nice on Sunday to kind of hang out with people my own age and older. <laughs> Renee, I'm sitting here in amazement because... I know who Cascade is, the first EDM DJ you mentioned. Uh -huh. And of course, I know Journey, Earth, Wind and & Fire, and Fleetwood Mac. I'm sitting here like, wow, you really just crossed over <laughs> into every type of music over the weekend. I did. I would, I, except... I think I'll tell you something, Tam. You know, a lot of people who follow me on my social media, like Snapchat and Instagram, I mean, they really leave me comments that are really inspiring because they're like, I love your life. They're like, wow, you just like seem to just have a wonderful life. You seem like you're enjoying life. And I'll be honest with you that my answer is yes to all of that. Well, luckily you made it to work because in between all this, Renee does have a job. Yes, I do. Let's not forget that. And then he's... We know you, in addition to having a regular job, you also do comedy. Exactly. Well, and I do this podcast, which is all NASCAR talk. Yeah. So I guess it's time to jump into some NASCAR talk. So we were in New Hampshire this weekend. Well, the race was in New Hampshire. Clearly, Renee and I weren't in New Hampshire because <laughs> we had a busy weekend. But it all went down in Loudoun. And it went down on so many levels. I don't even know where should we begin. We went into the weekend with yeah. the main storyline being Matt Kenseth. And of course, Matt Kenseth letting it out the bag that he wasn't returning to JGR and essentially forcing Joe Gibbs' hand to say something to, and yeah. to make a decision to confirm that he wasn't coming back. Right. So as we all know, at this point, Eric Jones is going to be in the 20, the number 20 car. And um, what else was going on going in? Oh, and I guess the bigger news was Kyle Larson, who was leading in the points by one point. NASCAR dropped a hammer and was like, yeah, we're going to get you for rules violations. And they took 35 points away from him. One thing I will say, I write articles for beyondtheflag.com. If you guys haven't checked out the website, check it out. And I wrote all these articles and I prepared everything before I got ready to go to New York so it could go live. And I had to rewrite everything that I wrote because it was based on this battle between Kyle Larson mm -hmm. and Martin Truex Jr. And when NASCAR dropped the hammer and took the points away, that changed the perspective. I mean, it changed the standings because now Martin Truex Jr. is an elite. And speaking of that, let's talk about the top 10 finish because at one point 
it appeared that Larson was going to win this race. And Hamlin came out of no place. Well, he didn't really come out of no place, but he came up, showed out and said, not so fast, young man, but this is about to be a veterans game. And I'm going to get this first win for (laughs) JGR this season. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you, uh, Tim, before you get into that top 10 there real quick, I do want to add my, my two cents here. First of all, congratulations to Denny Hamlin and his team. I think this just goes to show you that when it comes to racing, you know, these veteran guys, they just know how to show up when they need to. They may not show up all the time. They may not be great all the time, but they will show up when they need to and when the pressure sometimes is on. And this couldn't have come at a better time, Tam, because just as you just mentioned, you know, Matt Kenseth basically coming out last week and just saying, you know, hey, he was leaving and not going to be part of Joe Gibbs Racing anymore. I think they needed this. I think the whole team, they needed this not just for that, but the fact that they haven't won a race. And I don't know how long, but it's been a while. And um, they've kind of broken the streak now. I mean, I'm sure Kyle Busch would have liked to have been the one. You know, it was Denny Hamlin. So congratulations to Denny Hamlin and that team. Well, you talked about it, just kind of bringing it up about Kyle Busch. We thought it was going to be Kyle Busch this weekend, Mm -hmm. but he pretty much shot himself in the foot with all his pit road speeding penalties. Yeah. It's like Denny Hamlin basically said, oh, you don't want it? I'll take it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Pretty much. On that note, we'll jump in the top 10. As we all know, Hamlin, who didn't want any parts of the Lobster Trophy, won this race. Yeah. Kyle Larson came in second. Martin Truex Jr. third. Matt Kensick came in fourth, which wasn't bad. I was hoping for a win for him, but fourth place, I mean, I guess at this point, fourth place is bad for him because he needs to win. But hey, there are a bunch of drivers that would pretty much love to be in fourth place. Yeah. Kevin Harvick came in fifth. Kind of a little disappointed in Harvick lately because, and I, I know this sounds crazy, like how can you be disappointed in Harvick? But I'm looking for and expecting Harvick to be top three every week, if not coming home with a few more wins before the season is up. Yeah. Daniel Suarez, he shocked everybody, came in six. That was amazing. My Yeah, my man Clint Boyer, seventh. Kurt Busch, eighth. Brad Keselowski, ninth. And Jimmy Johnson, tenth. Although this was the first win for JGR, you had Hamlin, first position. You had Truex, who has an alliance with the JGR team in third. You had Matt Kenson in fourth, and you had Daniel Suarez in sixth. Even though this was their first win, the JGR team is kind of showing up. So you can't really be mad at that. And a few notables, Chase Elliott actually came in 11th, right outside the top 10. Kyle Busch came in 12th. Danica Patrick came in 13th. If I'm not mistaken, that may be her best finish this season. It might be. If it's not, it's definitely one of them. Her hubby, Stenhouse Jr., came in 14th. And Jr. came in 18th. I mean, so it's back to a rocky situation for junior yeah it seems like it seems like it and i wouldn't even say back to a rocky start it just seems like it's a continued rocky start for dale it's you know i remember last week when we were talking about it tim you know we were just trying to figure out like what's going on with dale and and i mentioned that it was just hard for him trying to focus on this season when he's trying to go in 
trying to have fun because he knows it's his last hurrah around the track and he just wants to go out on a good note. But I think sometimes it's a continuation of just putting a, a more pressure on yourself instead of just letting your mind just like kind of be free and go with the flow, especially when you're you're not racing very well. And then, you know, like I said, and I'll say it again, he missed a, a big portion of the season last year or the end the year or actually the yeah, the year before. You know, it's hard to come back when you've been off the track that long because of that circumstance of concussion. And then you try to come back to competing form. Ah, that's kind of tough. So I wish him the best. And I and I really hope he gets it turned around. And by some strange, awesome Dale Jr. luck, he wins a race or gets into the playoff at the end of the year. Because I really would like to see him get in the playoff. You took the words right out of my mouth. He has to. I mean, we don't. I think it's only, what, seven more races yes. left. It's like. Dang, Junior, you know, like, <laughs> you gotta get it together. I need you to be in Las Vegas. I mean, he's going to be in Las Vegas at the end of the year for Champions Week, no matter what. Yeah. But I need him to be on that stage with the rest of them. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that works. And just to kind of top off our top 10, we'll get into our standings because, of course, that's all that matters right. is. Who's going to Vegas or who's going to be competing for that championship? So Truex Jr. after New Hampshire is in the number one spot. And he actually has a 38 point lead over Larson, who's in the second spot. Kyle Busch is in the third spot. And just to kind of give you an idea, Truex leads Kyle Busch by 108 points. Wow. This is still very much a two-man race, even though NASCAR penalized Kyle Larson. And not, we didn't even mention this, but not only was he penalized before the race, Kyle Larson came into New Hampshire and took the pole, and then he failed post-race or post... Okay, we're so used to saying post-race. I know. He actually failed post-inspection after qualifying. NASCAR took the pole from him and awarded it to Martin Truex Jr., which is crazy, you know, and we'll get into this, but the, is NASCAR targeting Kyle Larson? It's just crazy. Like all these things are happening back to back to back for him, but he's still being able, you know, he's maintaining. Yeah, we're still and coming in second. <laughs> one thing we did not even say, he came in second again. Yeah. Like what was, so that's like his eighth time this year, seventh or eighth time coming in second. Yeah, I think so. so. No, yeah, so no matter what NASCAR tries to do this guy is still hanging on yeah it's like if he's so, not winning he's coming in second so you know he's going to be in the top two probably top three all the time exactly but he had the pole this i mean who's to say if he wouldn't have still had the pole that he wouldn't have won this race right but just really quick finishing the standings so and just to repeat truex first larson second bush third harvick fourth and hamlin fifth and i feel like the top five is pretty much all you need at this point right and one notable fact is that bush doesn't have any wins so he's maintaining that third spot 108 points behind truex our leader but he doesn't have any wins this season so that's actually pretty damn good for him. Yeah, no kidding. And I just think it's a matter of time before he gets a win. Yeah, I think you're right as well. What else do we need to talk about? What else is going on? I guess we can talk some driver's talk. Yes, we can. You know, I, I know I heard some things Joe Gibbs put out. Was it a press conference or did he just somebody asked him some questions? But 
Nonetheless, Joe Gibbs had a lot to say about the Matt Kenseth situation. Yeah, going back to that, Tim, just like I was stating earlier about how Matt Kenseth just kind of coming out with the news, you know, last week about him not returning to Joe Gibbs Racing and him moving on. Joe Gibbs was just asked in general on an interview, not really so much a press conference, but, you know, he pretty much just was reiterating what happened there. They weren't ready for Matt Kenseth to just blurt that information out. So it kind of caught him off guard. And they were kind of actually forced, Tam, to kind of really just break down the whole situation of what they were going to do. And it's not something that they <laughs> that Joe Gibbs planned on doing, but when somebody just lets the cat out of the bag like that, like Matt Kenseth did, he kind of had no choice but to say what was basically going to happen. But And it made sense, though, what he was saying, because he did say in light of, you know, Matt Kenseth saying what he said, he just had to pretty much say that the rookie Eric Jones was going to succeed Kenseth and that number 20 Toyota. Just as he also mentioned that, you know, well, they didn't anticipate Carl Edwards coming in and just retiring on the spot. They had a plan, Tam, of what they were going to do even before Carl Edwards came in and retired. You know, starting from Edwards retiring, they had to start changing plans. Then Matt Kenseth, you know, blurting out information, they had to change their plans again. It's just kind of really just kind of changed up their whole thing. And But, you know, I have to say that Joe Gibbs had nothing but great things to say about Matt Kenseth. I mean, he loved him and his family. And he just said, what a what an awesome guy this, this guy was just on the track, off the track. They actually, you know, hate even thinking about racing against Matt Kenseth because they think Matt Kenseth is just pure talented and, and a winner. And he's, they feel like he's going to win. And he, Joe just wishes he, he would just stayed with Joe Gibbs, obviously. I mean, if I'm a team owner, I'd want, you know, some talent like that staying with me. But, you know, he wishes Matt Kenseth nothing but the best. And then they're just going to have to move on and just kind of be like, do what they need to do. Well, from what I gathered, I, well, I wanted to make first and foremost a comment about the whole situation with Carl Edwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know what's really going on. See you next year, Carl Edwards. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah. And in regards to Matt Kenseth, nobody wants to race against him because they don't want him to leave. I mean, I've kind of picked up on some of Kyle Bush's comments regarding the situation. And he seems to be unhappy, both him and Kevin Harvick, about Matt leaving. Yeah. And not that they're not happy to have Eric Jones. It just seems that they're not too enthused about the direction the team is going into with Matt Kenseth leaving. Right. I mean, and you know, the other thing is too, is I, I'm going to jump on that same comment that you just made about not wanting to see Matt Kenseth leave, not only that team, but just in general, the racetrack like Carl Edwards, because I really would like Carl, I would like, I would love to see Carl Edwards back on the track, as well as Greg Biffle, I might throw that in there. But you know, Kenseth is 45, Greg. and yeah, you know, he might be old to a certain extent as far as like how we look at athletes in general. And anything like outside of 35 is just so old. You know, anything under 35 is like considered kind of young. But I am not ready to see Matt Kenseth just leave the track altogether. I, I want to see this guy continue to race, whether it's with Joe Gibbs or not Joe Gibbs. Well, one person that I'm not sure we're going to see continue to race is your girl, Danica. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> We're not going to say anything bad about Danica because even though, Tam, like we always say, we're not Danica haters, we're just not Danica fans, um, there really is a, a very enlightening story that ESPN did um, with her 
And uh, I have to say, uh, if anybody, if you just go to the ESPN website or any NASCAR.com website that has uh, NASCAR news about this particular story with Danica Tim, it is a very touching, a very motivating and encouraging video slash segment um, and piece that they did with Danica. And basically what it is, is ESPN did this, um, it's called My Wish segment with Danica Patrick. It's an awesome story, really, tell you the truth. But go to the trailer, and it's uh, Danica Patrick made this little girl's wish come true. And uh, she's not little, uh, but she's uh, very young. She's Her name is Gar- Gabrielle John. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She's 18 years old. And apparently she has this progressive neurological disorder that makes it hard for her to move, get out of bed, and whatnot. And so her wish was to meet Danica Patrick Tamman. And you know what? Danica Patrick made it happen. Her wish was granted. It was done at the uh, Daytona International Speedway, and Danica hosted the team there. I mean, this girl's just broke into tears, and she was so happy, and it was so moving. Tam, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm like this close to actually telling you I'm beginning to become a fan of hers just based on this segment. And I know that sounds crazy, but if she is going to retire at the end of this season, Wow. Uh, maybe I kind of hope she does because I, I, I don't know if I have to eat my words if she still races next year. And I have to say I'm a Danica fan. I am a Danica fan of this particular story because she uh, she enlightened my I mean, my spiritual thing about just helping people out with disorders that these people do not want them to have other people feel sorry for them because they have a disorder of any kind. It is very, very awesome piece that uh, ESPN did. And I, I thought they did a good job. Well, that's awesome to hear, Renee. I mean, one thing I think out of all sports, and I'm not saying that other sports fail, and I'm not saying this because we are clearly NASCAR fans, because you're probably a bigger baseball fan than you are a NASCAR Mm -hmm. fan. I do think that nobody does it as great as NASCAR when it comes to giving back and reaching out and helping fans. And it's a lot of it's happening behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that we don't know about. And again, not to say that NBA players and NFL players don't do as much in terms of charity as NASCAR drivers do. But I feel that with NASCAR drivers, a lot of it is just way more genuinely done, you know, like I was actually watching a special some football players had invited some little boy down to the practice facility, but it just seemed so scripted. Right. It was like, oh, here's the ball. Uh A little Johnny. Uh huh. And I feel like with NASCAR drivers, it's very authentic. Very, yeah, I have to agree. But, uh, you know, and I know sometimes we get caught up into um, our own lives and our, our just our own ways of doing things and just going about our business. Uh, but when you see athletes literally take the time to do something like that, boy, man, that it, it is very, very moving. And I, I almost got like goosebumps in, uh, talking about this story right now. But uh, yeah, definitely go out and check it out. You people that are listening to our podcast. First of all, thank you for listening, but definitely go and check this little story out on ESPN that they did with Danica Patrick. It's called My Wish. Go check out that trailer. You're definitely going to love it. Oh, okay. You guys heard it from Renee. Check it out. Yeah. Let's see. What else is going on in NASCAR? Well, first and foremost, NASCAR got a new president. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> the new president was announced. I'm not even sure if anybody saw that coming, but... So we have a new president, and one of the things that he addressed early on was start times. Yeah. Because it seems that NASCAR fans have been complaining lately. It doesn't really bother me 
it's not exactly like the race can start at the same time each week. Right. Because you're in different time zones. Personally, I do prefer when the races come on early because we're on the West Coast. So for us, it's like, you know, we can get up in the morning, watch the race, and then have the rest of our day. Right. But, hey, we're on the West Coast, so nobody really cares what we think. Yeah, because- you, you, know, <laughs> I, you know, what's funny, Tam, is I was thinking that same thing. And that's the beauty and the luxury we have of being on the West Coast because we actually get to get, start, get a later start in the day and then get to enjoy the evening a little bit longer than the East Coast people do. <laughs> At least that's the way I feel about it. But I will tell you this, I, and I know we've talked about this uh, many, I, I know we talked about this a few times on our uh, previous podcasts, uh, maybe not recent ones, but older ones that we've done about the start times. And it's not so much the start times that I have a problem with, Tam, just like you. You know what my problem is, which I'm sure that you agree with me that I have a problem with more than anything is where the races end up getting shown at because there's times where they show it on networks that I can't even get or that I have no idea what channel it is. That's what's frustrating to me more than just the start times. I can deal with the start times, Tam. I just can't deal with when the races are on a channel that I have no access to or I don't know where the heck the, the race is going on. And then I'm like frantically either texting you or texting somebody going, hey, does anybody know what channel the race is on? It's very ironic that you said that because there is an entire thread on Twitter about the Camping World race coming on the Fox Business Channel. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the Fox Business Channel. And people were like, where is the Fox Business Channel? First of all, why would a NASCAR race truck race be coming on a business channel like that is like my biggest peeve about this whole thing in regards to the races being on different networks different channels like i don't mind it being split between fox and nbc but i need the races to come on regular fox and regular nbc not on fox sports one fox sports sports this you know mb what i'm trying to say is like nbc sports network this 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 it's just too much and it's hard to keep up with yeah that fox sports one i I think that's oh i I really can't stand when they're on that network i'm like oh i'm like i don't have access to it i don't know what channel it is even if i do have access to it if i'm somewhere and somebody doesn't have it, i'm like oh my god you know the new president by the way i believe his name is brent duar i hope i'm pronouncing that right as well I know he's got a lot of things to he's going to have to uh, deal with uh, coming in, but hopefully they can get it worked out. You know, Tam, they're trying to work things out right now because they know they have a lot of uh, different time zones that they're going to try to work out between East Coast, West Coast. Your boy, Clint Boyer, posted on Twitter uh, shortly after Sunday's race, and it simply just read, three o'clock starts suck, end quote. I mean, <laughs> and I thought that was actually kind of funny. Um, well, I guess it probably does suck for the drivers yeah, when you think about it. Yeah. Because this is like one thing we take for granted, but this is a all week thing for them. Yeah. Now, granted, somebody would say, well, this is their job, it's their sport. But when you have a family, sometimes on Sundays, you just want to relax. So you take in consideration if a race starts at three o'clock. These guys are at it. The garage probably opens at 8 a.m. They're at it all day, sponsor obligations, dealing with the fans, driver's meetings, blah, blah, blah. Then they have a three o'clock start time, which means the race is definitely not going to finish until 5, 
if they're lucky, you know, because I guess the average race takes about two and a half hours. And then if you win or whatever else is going on, first of all, like if you win a NASCAR race, it is not over for hours because you're on the track, you're in the winner's circle, then you go in the media center. I mean, I can tell you like in Talladega, I was still at the track at eight o'clock at night. And I believe that race was a three. No, I think that race started at two. It was an early start. I just know I was like, oh my God, I'm still at the track and it's it's dark, pitch dark. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine what, you know, these drivers doing. I mean, we do know Dale Jr. right after the races hops in the car and then he hops in the PJ, you know, the private jet and he's on his way, but it's just never ending. So I, Again, because I live on the West Coast, I'm indifferent about the time starts, but I can totally be okay if all the races started early. (laughs) I totally agree. So I did want to talk about Denny Hamlin's burnout after he won the race. So there was some speculations that he burned down the house because, well, you know, there's always this speculation when a driver goes too hard in victory lane with the burnout mm. that maybe he's trying to hide something. What do you think about that? Oh, boy, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Tim. First of all, let me just say this. I thought that was one hell of a burnout, probably one of the better burnouts I've ever seen. <laughs> to me personally, I don't really think he was hiding anything. I just think the guy was just excited. I think he was excited not only to win, to get his first win, to punch his ticket to the chase, uh, to get the first win for JGR. I mean, I just rattled off, I think, four to five things of why this guy was so happy. And, you know, for Denny to burn out like that, I think it was well-deserved. I think it was awesome. And the fact that all those fans came running down I don't know if you saw that. Those fans came running down to the edge of the track and try to get a just, I, I don't know why, but try to get into that whiff of that smoke of the burnout. I mean, I personally wouldn't have gone and ran down there for that. But, you know, those fans, they went down there to, to be a part of that. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was awesome. So, and but uh, to answer your question, no, I, I don't personally think that uh, these drivers or, or even Denny Hamlin was hiding anything for that matter. So I don't see that. Well... I don't know. All I know is that some strange things have been happening lately because the fact that you look at Larson, like what, how do you go through inspection, qualify, sit on the pole and then fail post inspection right after qualifying, post qualifying inspection, you know, and there's actually an article that explains that, but I, we actually had two fans hit us up on Twitter and asked us our thoughts on it. And, you know, they were a little bit confused as to how something like this happens. I've been saying it for years. Like, I remember when I first got into NASCAR, I was like, it is too many inspections. Again, and I was young and not understanding everything, but that was always my question. What is going to happen between the time that you go through the first inspection, hit the racetrack, Everything is being watched because there's two inspectors, uh, officials, damn near, you know, well, there's one for each pit, but, you know, it's almost like it's two because everybody's looking, everything's being recorded. So when does a team have time to do something that's illegal? And in Kyle Larson's case, how did it happen? When did it happen? Yeah. I mean, just by what you've explained, 
that does make a lot of sense. And um, I'm glad I don't have to answer those questions, but those are some valid points there. I am going to leave it at that. And I guess it's time for some fan fan comments and All right. predictions. Let's do it. Okay, so our fan comment of the week, I'm actually going to take a comment to, well, an answer to a question that we posted during our Twitter chat that happens every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I just wanted to give that a shout out. And this is going to be a very simple question and answer for our fan comment. We posed the question, if you were putting together a team and had to pick one veteran and one young driver, who would you pick? And we got a bunch of people who responded, but this is the comment that I am choosing to read or the answer that I'm choosing to read. It comes from Steve. Okay, I'm going to mess this up, but Gok, and that's spelled G-O-C-K-E. I don't even know how to pronounce that. But uh, yeah, so he said, Kyle Larson and Truex Jr., does it get any better than that? And I am going to leave it at that and not give you much of my opinion because it doesn't get better than that. If I'm putting together a team, I'm probably picking those two as well. Wow. You know what? I'm going to have to go. I wrote a whole article about it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on that. It doesn't get much better than that. Okay. So that's that. I know you guys are probably like, wait, that's all they have for the fan comment of the week? (laughs) It's a light news week. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I could have went on the NASCAR Reddit board and dug up some other stuff, but that's all I want to say. Yeah. But I will pose that question to you guys. If you're putting together a team, who are you going with? You can only pick one young guy and one veteran guy. Now, sure, there were some other people who said Jimmy Johnson. Some uh, We actually had about three people say William Byron. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way in hell. I'm picking William Byron over Kyle Larson. Yeah. But you guys are entitled to your own. Now, I may, and this is may, I may go with Chase Elliott over Kyle Larson only because Chase Elliott, that's the man. He doesn't know yet, but he's going to be the man. I mean, he got the fan vote for the all-star race this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. His if time would... is coming, Tam. His time is coming. I feel. Yeah. I, I'm, Make a long story I, I'm short. just like you. Yes, I. I feel like his time is coming. He just. I think everybody knows it except for him. But he just is just. He's right there, Tam. He's right there, just knocking on the door. Okay. Well, while we're knocking on the door, let's knock down the door and go into some predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Renee, who do you have to win? In Indianapolis this weekend. In Indianapolis, Tam. I'm going to be honest with you. I am going to go with this JGR thing. It may not be Denny Hamlin, but I'm going with Kyle Busch to win Indianapolis. I think they're just going to ride that that energy and that now. And so I, I see Kyle Busch winning this race. And uh, as my dark horse, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. I know you talked about him earlier, and I started thinking about it. I think Kevin Harvick is going to, don't be surprised if Kevin Harvick wins this race. He's my dark horse, but Kyle Busch, I see taking those checkered flag. Okay, very easy. You're JG in it all the way, hopefully, to the checkered flag. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this happens every week. I give you the past 10 at the track before I give you my predictions. We've raced one time a year at Indianapolis. 
Indianapolis is very dear to my heart because it's where I went to my first NASCAR race, it's where I fell in love with NASCAR race, and it's where I discovered that man known as Tony Stewart, a.k.a. Smoke. <laughs> it was love at first sight. I can, but- I can see hearts all around your head right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, I just remembered, like, who is that? Like, he, and I, it was some other drivers, but I'm going to be honest. I specifically remember being like, who is that guy? And I was like, oh, okay, Tony Stewart. And I'm like, wow, that was years ago. Look at me now talking NASCAR like, like I was born and raised on this sport. Right. Okay, so we race one time a year at Indy. And unfortunately, neither one of us will be at Indy this week. I was actually at the Indy 500, which was what, last month, month before? Yes, correct. Last. So it's like, I kind of felt like it was too soon for me to go back to Indy. But I would have liked to gone back, but not this week. Okay, our past 10 winners. And I'm actually going to do something different. And I'm going to read it from back in the day to current day. So in 2007, my man, Tony Stewart, Took home the checker flag. 2008, Jimmy Johnson. 2009, Jimmy Johnson. 2010, Jamie McMurray. Rolled into victory lane. Paul Menard in 2011. Jimmy Johnson again in 2012. Ryan Newman in 2013. And I feel like we have not talked about Ryan in a while. So maybe something's brewing. Maybe he'll get a third or second win this season. We'll see. Jeff Gordon won in 2014, Kyle Busch in 2015, and Kyle Busch in 2016. So maybe you're on to something, Renee. Maybe he'll three-peat. It's possible. And win in 2017. (laughs) Some notable things that I picked up on in Indianapolis, Jimmy Johnson is actually a four-time winner at Indy, and Kyle Busch is a two-time winner in the Cup Series. Now. When it comes to, oh, and Junior has never won in Indianapolis, so maybe there's a chance he gets a win this season. Well, wouldn't that be a story, Tim? Wouldn't that be a story? I know. Now, his dad, the Intimidator Senior, he actually won in 1995 at Indy, and it was the second race ever because we've only been racing in Indy since 1994. So he won the second cup race in Indy. And in regards to the Xfinity series, we've only been racing at Indy in the Xfinity series since 2012. And you already know your boy Kyle Busch won three of the five races there. That's all he does is win. Yeah. So Brad Keselowski won in 2012, Kyle Busch in 2013. Ty Dillon actually won in 2014. And then in 2015 and 2016, it was Kyle Busch. And we didn't talk about it, but I do recall there was some conversation about him saying he was going to retire after so many wins from the Xfinity series. So we'll see how that plays out. On that note, my predictions are very simple. I am going to pick Kyle Bush to win because he's there. He's itching for a win. And now that his teammate has a win, I don't feel like he wants to be outdone. And I'm going to go at my dark horse as Kyle Larson, because Kyle is mad at NASCAR. When you're mad, you show out. That's a very good, true statement there. That is a good statement, Tim. Wow. That's that's awesome, man. You know what? There you go. Those are our picks. Uh, We'd like to know who your picks are. Give us your predictions. We always like to get your feedback. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please go and uh, find us on iTunes. Rate 
subscribe, review, comment on us. Please, uh, if you know any NASCAR fans, let them know and turn them on to our podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And if you'd like to hit us up on our social media, you definitely can. It's at Turns No Breaks on Twitter. Hit us up on our Instagram and our Facebook if you'd like. Please do all three. Uh, we, we would really, really appreciate it. But for Tam, for myself, we always love to see. And we, as a matter of fact, we always love to hear you guys. We always love to interact with you guys on our social media as well. For the both of us, please be kind to each other. And we will see you here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 